You're listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's program is entitled Bread. Hello, my radio friends. Welcome to today's program. And I hope you enjoy what I wish to present to you today. Have you any idea which country in the world has the highest bread consumption per capita, that is, per person? No, it's not Australia. It's Turkey. On average, each Turkish adult consumes about 199 kilograms of bread per year. That equals more than half a kilogram of bread per day. According to 2018 statistics, in Europe the Irish are the greatest bread consumers and eat over 88 kilograms per person per year. People in the United States eat about 42 kilograms per year and Australians about 38. About 14 million Australians are still eating bread. Although, because of gluten in the flour, many Aussies, especially those who are gluten intolerant, have eliminated bread from their diet. The word bread is a generic word for food, as is meat. I expect you're familiar with the word breadwinner, a noun meaning he or she who earns an income to support the family. The word bread is used 492 times in the Bible. The Israelites, having been delivered from Egypt, were going over land to the destination of what was then known as Canaan. Today we call that area Palestine and Israel. The total number of people in the group was probably in excess of 2 million and much of the route where they travelled was across desert. Although the people, previously slaves to the Egyptians, were now free, at about one and a half months into the journey, grumbling set in, and I'll read to you what happened from Exodus chapter 16, verses 3 and 4. The Israelites said to Moses and Aaron, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. This is a very interesting chapter. Why don't you read it for yourself? Exodus 16. The Lord kept his promise, and in the morning a whitish, flaky substance lay on the ground. The people wanted to know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. The journey to the land the Lord promised to give the Israelites, instead of taking a few months, ended up being 40 years. 
and all during this time God provided the flaky substance they named manna. This food nourished them and kept them in good health for that whole time. Recently there was a news item about a man who ate nothing but potatoes for a whole year. At the end of this self-imposed experiment, he was in pretty good health. That was for one year, but the Israelites ate manna for forty years, and they remained fit and healthy. There are two points I'd like to deal with a little later regarding this bread. The first is that it came down from heaven. The second is that for the Israelites it was essential for life. Well, later, also recorded in the book of Exodus, the Lord gave instructions to Moses to build a tabernacle, a kind of tent church. In it, various services were performed and there were two inner rooms. The first was called the holy place and the second the most holy place. In the first room were several articles of furniture including a seven-branched lampstand, an altar of incense and a wooden table overlaid with gold called the table of showbread. In the most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant containing God's holy law, the Ten Commandments. At a later time, Aaron's rod that budded and a bowl of manna were placed inside with the Ten Commandments, while on the outside, in a kind of a pocket, was placed the ceremonial law sometimes referred to as the Law of Moses or the Handwriting of Ordinances. On the table of showbread, twelve flat loaves were placed each week. Now, why would twelve new loaves be put there each week without being eaten? Well, it was symbolic. There were twelve loaves, one loaf representing each of the twelve family groups or tribes of the Israelites. But why bread? Do you remember from whom and why the manna was given? Well, it was given by God and was faithfully supplied to give life to the people for the whole forty years the Israelites were in the desert. That bread on the table of showbread was also known as the bread of the presence, symbolising God's presence and his supplying the vital needs of the people. In another way, it showed the people that God was there, being gracious to them the whole time. God's presence was shown in other ways as well. A cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. The cloud protected them from the fierce heat of the sun and the pillar of fire gave them light during the darkness. The showbread was holy and could only be eaten by the priests when it was a week old and only after 
it was replaced by twelve fresh loaves. The fresh loaves were symbolic of God's renewed presence, of His care and mercies. That connects with the two verses in the book of Lamentations, chapter three, verses twenty-two and twenty-three, which say, "It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. His mercies." Are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O Lord. That bread on the table in the holy place was a constant reminder of God, who is by nature merciful. When we are convicted of what we've done wrong, God is there, ready and willing to forgive us. His mercies are new. Every morning, but here I want to add a caution. When our consciences are troubled because we have sinned, and as we seek forgiveness, we must genuinely feel sorry. God wants us to become changed, to forsake our evil ways and pursue pursue that which is pure, righteous, and true. You know, there's something in religious circles known as cheap grace. Cheap grace is when so-called religious people live relatively unchanged lives, and say to themselves that God is merciful and will forgive them each and every time they do wrong. Those people don't make any or much effort to do what's right, because they always fall back on the fact. That God will forgive. Now I recognise that God does forgive, but we need to make an effort to live in the light we have received. In the book of First Samuel is recorded the rise and fall of the first king of Israel, Saul, and of the rise of the second king, David. Chapter eighteen of First Samuel tells of Saul's jealousy of David, the king elect, and of how Saul was determined to kill David, and of David's life as a fugitive. At one stage during the time David was fleeing from Saul, he and his band of loyal supporters were at a place called Nob, where there was a temple. Its priest was called Ahimelech. When David showed up, Ahimelech was afraid because he realised the penalty for aiding and abetting a fugitive. David asked whether the priest had any food he could share with David and his men. The priest had none, except for the twelve loaves of sacred showbread that had been removed from the temple. It had been replaced by twelve fresh loaves of new bread. God had previously instructed that the old showbread could only be eaten by priests, but because David and his men were starving, and because there was no other food available, Ahimelech gave the old yet sacred showbread for food for the fugitives. 
Now, Jesus mentioned this incident when a group of Pharisees approached him one Sabbath. Jesus and his disciples had been walking through some grain fields. It was in the summer and the grain was ready for reaping. Some of the disciples picked some heads of grain, rubbed them in their hands to separate the grain from the chaff, blew the chaff away and ate the grain. I've done this. I know and know exactly what they were doing. Now Luke chapter 6 verses 2 to 4 explains. Some of the Pharisees asked, Why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So here was the scenario. The Pharisees condemned Jesus and the disciples for working on the Sabbath. In this case, they regarded what the disciples did as reaping, therefore working on God's sacred day. Jesus referred to David entering a sacred place and eating sacred bread. The Jews held David in high regard. Yet now Jesus showed them that their hero had done something which violated the demands for sacredness. Did Jesus deliberately condone breaking of the fourth commandment, the commandment which points out the way to honour our Creator through ceasing work on the Sabbath? No. Jesus, our example himself, kept the Sabbath throughout his life while here on earth. What he did was to dismantle the multiple laws the Jews had cooked up about how the Sabbath was to be kept. They had overlooked the spirit of the law and put in its place a host of petty man-made rules and proclaimed them holy. We're going to have a break here and go on straight afterwards.
Just before the break, I asked the question, did Jesus deliberately condone the breaking of the fourth commandment? The answer, of course, is no. What he did was to dismantle the multiple laws that Jews had cooked up about how the Sabbath was to be kept. And you know, the same thing as what the Jews did has been repeated down through history. Man-made rules, known as traditions, have assumed an importance that is ludicrous. In the Roman Catholic Church, those traditions are considered more important than the Bible. Observing tradition is not necessarily holiness. On another occasion, some Jews verbally attacked Jesus about another tradition of not washing hands before they ate. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, is Jesus' answer. Why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? And then he went on to point out that they themselves deliberately attempted to circumvent one of God's laws because of their tradition. Washing one's hands before eating is a good practice, but it is not holy and it is not essential. Listeners, beware of tradition. Don't you get caught in the trap of regarding it as essential and or holy. There is much in the Old Testament about bread that also refers to the New Testament. There are those who completely disregard the Old Testament because they claim it does not apply to our times or it's a compilation of myths and legends that are not necessarily true. And the third reason they give for not taking the Old Testament seriously is that they say it is merely a collection of moralistic stories that I am made up to teach good morals. In my opinion, such claims are total rubbish. The Old Testament gives the background of how God worked with humanity in the B.C. period. The Old Testament pointed to Jesus, the pivot of the whole Bible, The Old Testament and the New Testament are integrated together. Remember the manna? It was bread that came down from heaven. In John 6, verse 51, Jesus had this to say, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. And just previous to this, Jesus announced that he is the bread of life. In the Last Supper, with his disciples, as is recorded in Luke 22, verse 19, Jesus again referred to himself as the bread says, And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it, and gave it unto them, that's the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. 
So what is the significance of Jesus saying, He is the bread of life? Bread is considered an essential for maintaining life. It's one of the basic needs for survival, along with water. But I'm alive already, you might say. Yes, God has already granted you life, but there's more. God wants you to have eternal life, but you have to choose to have it. You have to accept the conditions. Of prime importance, you need to realise that eternal life is impossible outside of Christ. It is, as explained by the Apostle Peter in Acts chapter 4, verse 17, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Salvation, or eternal life, entirely depends on what you do with Jesus. If you reject him, that counts you out. There's no other way that you can be saved other than through him. You can do all the good works. You can give your money to the poor. You can cloister yourself away and sing hymns for a lifetime, but that will not help. It is imperative that you accept Jesus' substitutionary sacrifice for you. Now, the bread analogy implies that you eat. What happens when you eat bread? Well, first you must take it, then apply it to your mouth, then you bite it and chew. When it's mixed with your saliva and chewed enough, you swallow and the bread goes to your stomach where digestion commences. Little by little, the nutrients are absorbed into your bloodstream. Some of those nutrients are used to produce energy. Others are used to replace worn-out cells in your body. In short, the bread becomes you. Eat nothing and you die. With Christ, it is much the same. You must accept him, believe who he is, then take his merits for yourself and apply them. And that means asking for his forgiveness. To chew that bread means to consider your life and what choices you must make with Christ in your life. As bread is digested and becomes part of you, Christ's characteristics become your characteristics. As the bread provides nutrients for energy, what we do will be controlled by Jesus in the sense that what we do is good, kind, noble, righteous and true. The manna sent from heaven supplied all the nourishment and gave life to the Israelite people for 40 years. It was all they needed. Living in Christ, with him living in us, is what we need for our spiritual lives. In Matthew 4, 4 is recorded another statement made by Jesus. And it says, But he answered and said, It is written, 
Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The words that proceed out of the mouth of God are given in the Bible. In the Bible is to be found the pathway to eternal life. In the Bible is given the recipe for a happy, holy, healthy life here and now as well. My friends, the living bread that came down from heaven, Jesus, is the only worthwhile need in your life. So why don't you come to him? Ask him to come into you, as bread is assimilated into your body, that you might become one of his family, the family of the saved.